Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And I have a resolution for us. And that's that we gotta cut smoking, or we'll never make track next year. So, Diane, Sam, is The Outsiders a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I don't think it will be. You don't? I think it's too dated and the novel is so iconic that to try and update it, I mean, we're going to do it and it's going to be fun. But I think to actually try and update that novel will have a total sense. You, you won't get the fan base in. Because they still read the novel today. It's not like a novel went away, like Gone with the Wind. It's too racist to people for people to read. She's still selling like a million copies of that book a year yeah, or something like that. Okay, that's fair. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think everything that Diane said, for me, it's it, it was fun to hypothetically remake it. But I think in hypothetically remaking it, I found that this is – I just want it to exist like this in my head forever. And I'm not sure that it would actually be – able to be remade today mm. we gotta stay gold i stay gold yeah that was fun learning about the origin of that line so it sounds like you both read this book in middle or high school or whatever yeah yep cool i didn't and so watching this movie was my first exposure to this story completely and so learning that the expression stay gold pony boy is said from the mouth of a dying child <laughs> was really something <laughs> See, it's funny because we watched in like I think it was seventh grade. We read the book and then watched the movie because okay. that's what you did when it was of cool. Um, so we had that preparation, but I'm now just imagining experiencing that for the first time. Because I'm vaguely aware of the line. Like I didn't know that Stay Gold Pony Boy was from The Outsiders. I just kind of casually heard it in like different contexts. I'm like, oh, this is what Stay Gold Pony Boy's from. Cool. What? <laughs> I mean, I remember reading the book. I remember seeing the movie. I remember reading all of her books. And I remember being surprised when I found out that she was a woman. I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those things from my childhood. But not even that. It, pe- kids are still reading it today. Uh, they read a quote from C. Thomas Howell where he was like, kids still want to date Pony Boy, And they're freaked out when they find out I'm 51 years old. <laughs> that's funny and adorable. He was 15 when he made the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it, it seems like he was. He was. But, yeah. It's, um, so, there's the joke answer of, well, it has been remade because the director remade it. He went back in and did a different version, which I learned about yesterday. And it turns out is the version Diane watched. And I learned about that today, right before we recorded. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, I learned that out while we were watching and then went, no, and then watched it anyway. Because this movie's long. I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't love the movie. Um, but the, uh, it's, but I, I think this movie has such brand recognition, and it, it's such a name, and it's like, well, everyone's read this book, therefore they'll want to go see the movie, which is exactly the sort of, like, corporate producer decision that means that I think it will be remade. I think you'd have to look at it the same way they're remaking Oklahoma, which won Best Revival a couple years ago at the Tonys. Sure. In that you have to take the, you take all the songs and stuff from Oklahoma, but you do it in a, in a vistage that actually brings, like, the modern world into it. So you'd have to do something like that with The Outsiders, and that's just going to take a lot of work, because this is so dated. 
they I mean they like remaking movies that are just like reimaginings of the original story like there was some movie that came out recently that was like oh yeah it's a more cl- like a, a more closely adapted version although as far as I know this is very closely adapted I don't know but like yeah and we're obviously going to do it a little bit different but like times change so how do you tell that same story but through a more modern lens and I think someone's going to try beyond us. Someone definitely will try. It doesn't mean that they'll be successful. I'm yeah. sure there are people trying right now. Oh, yeah. The sure purpose of this podcast are. isn't and uh, has been, will be, or should be successfully remade. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's has been, will be, or should be remade, period, regardless of quality. Yep. And it is a will be because it will be. When has quality ever stopped Hollywood in the last few years, especially? Exactly. I um, think this one's just going to have the problem with the source material being known to pretty much every child in America. Yeah. That is an interesting point. A lot of the things that they're remaking are not well-known to people. They don't have the brand value. But here, people... Everyone's reading The Outsider still in school. Totally. Everyone is. I've ne- Not everyone. Excuse me. Most people. Yeah. Lots of people. Um, I've definitely had conversations because I've been asking people, like, did you read it? Did you read it? And like, I, it's, it's a mix. A lot of people read it in middle school or high school, and a lot of people are like, no, what is it? It depends on the school. It depends on what they want us to be reading. I guess it's not a required reading in Arizona. But what can you say? Which would make no sense, because the thing takes place in Oklahoma, and you'd think they'd be kind of similar. You'd think, but who knows? But yeah, so obviously, Sam, you saw this movie when you were a child. Diane, when was the first time you saw this movie? Probably, actually, I don't remember. So I saw this way back when. Got it. It's just like one of those like deep Things I saw. Brain. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm trying to remember how we picked this movie, and I think we picked this movie because you were both over, looking at my DVDs, saw that I owned this movie on DVD, and then I told you that I'd never seen it. That sounds right. That yeah, sounds, that right. sounds about yeah, right. That, okay, yeah. cool. Um, and then together we went, we should do The Outsiders. And that and that is how the story goes. It was a beautiful moment. It, it was pretty great. Yeah. It was touching. So yeah. then let's... Start here. What are some of your favorite moments from the movie as it exists? Because this movie is such a cultural mainstay, apparently, we're not going to do a walkthrough of it. I might ask Diane if she has any idea of what scenes got put back in the movie. But let's just start with, what are the things you like about this movie as it exists? I like I like the relationships between all the boys. Because quite honestly, they're all on the verge of tears half the time. They're the saddest, saddest, saddest greasers I've ever met in my life. And they're so sad. And they just keep crying in each other's arms. That's just very nice and somewhat homoerotic. But, um... Somewhat? Yeah. And they're all shot so beautifully. And then they, you know, and then I just remember being traumatized when Dallas dies. You know, you see Matt Dillon shot down in the middle of the street. And he's, you know, it's, it's traumatizing. Yeah. It's traumatizing. And then you see, um... I remember the uh, fire sequence looked both fake and good at the same time. Uh-huh. But I remember always being fascinated with how they did the burns on uh, Johnny's body. And Ralph Macchio all sort of burnt up. Yeah. I just remember going, huh, that's fascinating. And I was like, I am such a doctor's daughter. <laughs> and um, and I always did like um, the sort of like uh, the scene of the drive-in. Got it sort of instigates everything. But sure. I really did like the drive-in sequence. Sam, what do you think? I agree. I mean, I think the relationship between the boys is kind of... They're the saddest greasers, but also in a way, they're these really kind of emotionally evolved young men for people who are very immature. Like, the world has forced them to be almost this, like, fake, naive, 
like macho and you're kind of seeing beyond that and I think it's interesting because it was it's based on a book by a woman and it's there was a screenplay by a woman so you definitely have I think the lens of these like emotionally evolved young men who are just in this world that is against them so I think that's definitely my favorite part that still kind of sticks out and that's that's what I remember liking about the original book I do I think it's gorgeous the thing that sticks with me about the church scene is I can't figure out why the kids were in the church but that's a conversation for later I think um but but I also like these the moments where you see where you see the older men uh talking to the younger men and when you see like especially the older boys talking to the younger no boys. I'm actually talking about like when when um there's the scene in the hospital when uh pony boy and I forgot I think the guy's name is like Jerry or something the character the, the 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 teacher who didn't go back in or the principal yeah or yeah and he like and he basically confesses everything to him and he's like you're still a hero in my book and it's like this it's like the one moment where everything else outside the world may be against these people but here there's like this intergenerational understanding of like what it is to be a good person no matter what the world calls you yeah that's reasonable i like those things i like that message i did not like the uh the drive-in movie theater scene i agree i apologize because that's not yeah um i so there were a lot of aspects of this movie that kind of hit me in the same way that the goonies hits me and i've seen the goonies a couple of times now and I, i simply do not like it and I think part of the reason that I don't like it is the same reason that I was a very quiet, unhappy child. And that just like being in a situation with a bunch of children screaming over each other, just trying to be heard, just makes me so deeply uncomfortable. And this was just that, but they were slightly older, of just like shouting each over each other and not listening to each other and just saying what they wanted to say, regardless of what anyone else around them wanted them to be. That stuff drives me nuts because that's never been who I am as a person. <laughs> uh, and so that very much was like, she said, leave her alone. And then he doesn't. And then that just keeps happening for another five minutes. Here's the thing. I thought that Diane Lane was, like, one of the stronger characters in the movie, but I deeply disliked every scene she was in because they were so slow. And then you get to the very end of she's talking about just, like, having to deal with, like, just, like, these obnoxious guys all the way through and, like, but I appreciate you, Pony Boy. You actually listen to me. Anyway, I sure hope I never run into that Dallas guy again because if I do, I'll probably fall in love with him. And it's like... What the fuck? It's weird. I but I think, but I think in that um, the authors really, the author and screenwriter both get you know the sort of fickleness of like the teenage girl, sure, and sort of you know, well, I'm gonna play, with, I'm gonna go with the guy who pulls my ponytail sometimes. Yeah, which has never been mean. It's always been weird that that's been appealing to people. But whatever. Yeah, I always thought it was. Yeah, I always thought it was weird as a young girl to like because because there it is interesting. I think and that, that would be something if it didn't take place in the fifties. Which I mean, again, we talk about different times, time settings, and everything. It would be interesting because I feel I feel like hopefully we're coming away from the teaching young girls that when a boy like pulls your ponytail, it means he likes you. It's like no, if that means he likes you, then you should be like, if you like me, don't pull my ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. I totally yeah, get that. I, right. I totally get, I'm just, I think I'm just talking within the context oh, of, totally. of, absolutely of, of, of this world. We're not saying anything bad about you. Okay, just your good. taste. Good, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh sorry that's not what i was saying but yeah i know no i got it i, I just got it, like, I got it. it was just a fun turn of phrase this is gonna to be say. two sams and a diane yeah messing with each other that's that is why we're all here but yeah in terms for me the things that i liked in this movie were kind of similar to what sam said of i liked and what diane said of i like the vulnerability of these characters i like that it's boys who aren't afraid to have feelings or the ones who are afraid to have feelings it's showing that they still have feelings and they're just doing what they can to bottle them up. 
Like, the strongest moment, I think, with Dallas, which was a character I did not like, was this was the scene where he was like, yeah, you're just gonna have to start dealing with all these different, like, all these different things are gonna go wrong, and you just kind of have to learn to tuck and roll and harden yourself up a little bit. Don't go to jail. Jail will make you too hard, and it won't be fun for you. And the moment where, like, they show up, and they're like, Dallas, we need help. And he's like, great, here's what we're gonna do. It's a bad plan, but he does help the best way he can. Uh, and I, I like that they're doing that. There's... Dallas and Daryl were the weird ones for me. And that like Dallas was just like kind of all over the map. And then Daryl was like kind of seemed like the bad guy until things went wrong. And then he just like had a big character shift, which I'm not saying isn't possible. But anyway, talk about things I liked. Um, I liked. I'll come up with something. Okay, so not much. You I, said Boys with Feelings. Yeah, I, Boys with yeah, Feelings. I liked yeah. Boys with Feelings. There was. I understand that it was a novel's worth of material squeezed down into 91 minutes or in diane's case two hours uh-huh. uh, and i i understand that that makes things kind of feel rushed which they did feel it kind of felt to me like we were going for, we were just taking these big long beautiful shots to really absorb the beauty of the moment and the era and then just they take a step somewhere else and something else would be happening like i felt like the time spent in the movie was spent establishing the cinematography and not enough time was spent building up to the moments that needed to happen. Because they're literally just driving home and it's like, oh, I guess we got to go stop this fire. Which I guess you can't really build up to that. But I don't know. Like, I like it's a conversation we need to have because I don't know how to fix it yet. It kind of feels like that airport, like, sidewalk thing where you're, like, moving, you get it out and you're moving really fast. And then you get off and, like, you have to readjust yourself. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of like they never, I, feel, I get that. Because it's like the feeling of it would, like, ramp up to the scene and then all of a sudden you'd be kind of you would feel like, okay, it's beautiful, but I need a little bit more of the story. Yeah. Like, there was definitely some really cool shots. Oh, no, there were some beautiful shots, but I think you got to think about the entire span of the story in both the book and movie is about a week. It's true. That's fair. It's about a week. So it is a very fast-paced story. It doesn't really... And the book itself really doesn't have a lot of flowery language or a lot of description it just goes bam 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 Mm -hmm. you know it's like scene 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 i mean she was 15 when she wrote the damn thing wow was was she cherry no i don't think so at all i think she was i think she was um more like a Marsha, maybe (laughs) yeah more like a Marsha, or right at the outskirts of everyone and she sort of i think she was more like the person who observed everything and sort of watched everyone moving all their pieces around sure and then wrote that down i mean she did a good job definitely Marsha. Marsha, who we all recast for sure oh no i did actually i didn't but i had enough problems finding cherry um i have a cherry that's fine we'll come back to that yeah the for our purposes, when we get to it, I think we'll end up making this just a much less white cast. But the important thing is, uh, yeah, I don't know. So let's, Diane, you watched the extended, uh, this is Francis Ford Coppola, Coppola doing things that are closer to the novel. Like making it the really, the novel cut is what he called it, right? Well, he called it the complete novel and he did it because his granddaughter said you left parts out. Okay, so what parts had he left out? He left out, and this is just what I read, and I didn't go back and watch the original version because I just couldn't do three three and a half hours of The Outsiders. That would have been Fair. too much. Just couldn't do it. So tell me, when this 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 movie ends and begins with Ponyball Ponyboy walking out of a movie theater? I think so. I, that sounds right. That sounds okay. right. Yep. <laughs> As he walks home, he's jumped by a bunch of the bunch of the socials. Oh yeah, that doesn't happen in our version. Okay, so he's yeah. jumped he's jumped by the socials and he gets held up by knife point. 
to his neck and cut. I don't remember that. I do remember them running. I remember the Soches bother. No, no the gre- it's the greasers because the yeah. greasers leave the movie and then they like, uh, like they're like, "You kids, what are you doing in our lot? Give me those cards. Have you ever played fifty-two card pickup? Yeah, it's pick them up. Okay, okay, but that's that's Dallas. That's Dallas. They're the But that's what I remember at the beginning. Okay, okay, that's that's about fifteen minutes before. 15 minutes after my movie started. Okay. So I get this whole, like, beginning sequence, Pony Boy and his brothers, and everyone rescuing him from the Soches, and then uh, them chasing the Soches off their property, and then Pony Boy sort of getting comforted because, you know, he's really shook up and everything because he just almost got knifed, and he kind of got knifed and he's bleeding. And Do we the- see uh, Johnny get his scar? No. Okay. You so never that- see Johnny get his scar. You just, you just hear about it. it. You hear about it. Got it. You okay. hear about it. Um, there's a sequence where Johnny's family's fighting. I don't know if that's there. No. I mean, you hear uh, from the outside. You don't see it on the yeah, inside. Okay. It's more like he gets home. He says, this is what happened. It's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I don't want to deal with this right now. And he, I'm going to go sleep in the park. Okay. So that's that's the same thing. Do you get any of the, did you get any of the courtroom sequences at the end? Not really. No, but I kind of remember that, I think, from the... Book. Yeah. Yeah. Book. So, and so, I think I might have watched the original. Now I'm like, wait, we might have watched the director's cut back in seventh grade. Yeah. You would, you couldn't have. Oh. Because the director's cut didn't come out until, like, 2018 or something. Oh, then never mind. Wow, really? Yeah, seventh no, grade. way back when. Oh, wow. Way back when. When they did the 25 or 35 release, they did a, he did a director's cut and a Blu-ray of it. Wow. But anyway, so there's a whole courtroom sequence with this. There's a there's I think some extended stuff in the hospital. There's um, probably a little bit of extension when they're at the church when Johnny and Ponyboy are at the church. Probably a little bit longer on that. Basically, any sequence that was in the novel that Coppola shot that his granddaughter realized wasn't in the movie, he put back in. <laughs> Which makes sense because he wrote the, he decided to make this movie because he got a petition from a librarian. Yep. Wow. I didn't know that. Tell me about that. Did you not get the code at the end of the book, at the end of the movie, that said this is to the... Yeah, dedicated. What's her, dedicated to the librarian woman and the students at Lone Star School or something. Who recommended that S.E. Hinton, like, or that it recommended that it be made oh, into a movie. Oh, yeah. I, some movies are stickier in my brain than others. This isn't one of them. Uh, but now that you mention that, I do remember that. Well, what makes it interesting is at the time, um, Zoetrope Studios was in complete disarray because he had just made one from the heart and lost a shit ton of money. And Coppola had tried to do his own film studio. Good for him. So, but it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And he was losing money hand over fist. That's too bad. So he made this movie for cheap, like $10 million total. They made it on the fly in Oklahoma. And it was a huge success. And then like, while he was shooting this one, about two days after he stopped shooting this one, he shot Rumblefish in the same locations with Matt Dillon and Mickey Rourke, also an Essie Hinton book. And that came out seven months after The Outsiders. So, I mean, he really did shoot a lot of Essie Hinton stuff. So it was like the original slate. Now they do all these, like, Christmas movies and holiday movies where they do them, like, back to back to back. And you can, it's cheaper to make movies back to back to back in volume. And apparently Francis Ford Coppola did that back in 83. Yeah, he did it back in 83. He did it back in 83. With uh, Essie Hinton novels. And Matt Dillon. And Matt Dillon. And he didn't even pay her the amount of money he promised her. Oh. What? Because he was so broke. Oh. He's like here, play a nurse on the play a nurse in the. Uh, that in the was movie. her option fee. Her option fee was. Her. Oh, was so was she the nurse that was taking care of uh, Johnny? One of them. Yeah, yeah, but she was also the one who goes. She's. I think she's actually the one who goes into Dallas's room and says, "Stop it and behave," kind of thing, and gives him gives him shit. 
Yeah, I forget. I know that there's two nurses, and I believe she's the older one. Yeah, 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 she's yeah, the older yeah, nurse. Yeah, yeah. So okay. She's the one who goes to the Dallas yeah. room. So they gave her. Yeah, they gave her a pretty good role. That's good. Did you, hopefully she saw some residuals. Hopefully we can all hope. I mean, yeah. let's face it. She's selling. You know, she's she's yeah. Sold. She's probably doing fine. She's just fine. Yeah, her books have never gone out of print. No. They're still being read. Yeah, she's just fine. But yeah, okay. So, what do we want to do? Um, I th- for I, I think our first question needs to be: When do we want to set this movie? What is the time period we want for this movie? Because we can set it in the fifties, and we can still have it as greasers and socias. But at the end of the day, it's poor people versus rich people. Yeah, I think that's. That was where I, my head was going. It has to be poor people versus yeah. rich people. but if we, And we could still set it in the 50s, but I was thinking if it's Oklahoma, then we could take into account maybe also the Black Wall Street and the massacre that happened there and maybe bring in a little bit more history that's not complete whitewashing of history. Okay, good. I agree with that. I definitely – yeah. My, like my big thing was that like I – I tended to make the greasers um, a little bit more people of color and the socials a little bit more white people. Not always. No, I guess I didn't do that. I'm going to cut well, that out because I didn't do that. Here's my but, goal. I was going to say just he, there's not really a lot of socials to cast. It's pretty much enti- – there's like one social to cast. There's two of them because one of them talks to Ponyboy in the car. Yeah. There's like two, two. socials. Yeah. 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 I, I, can't, I cast Cherry, Cherry's friend, Randy or some social or whatever and I think that's about it. You gotta cast Bob, because Bob's the one who killed, yeah. Bob's the one Johnny kills. Oh, I have a Bob, guys. I, I have a Bob. I do not have a Bob, because I didn't know that guy's name. And Leaf Garrett, honestly, pop star Leaf Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's uh, coming. a right wing. Oh, yeah. You mean Tool. a social went right wing? Weird. Yeah. So uh, weird. Uh, okay. But literally, like, so I, what I'm trying to get us away from, actually, is walking into that path. Because I feel like you're talking about the outsiders. You don't necessarily want it to be, like, the libs versus the... Whatever. And, like, I feel like if we bring it too modern, that's just what it's going to be. Yeah. So, I kind of feel like it still needs to be the 50s, but I feel like we kind of just make it a more Colorblind. ethnically diverse 50s. I think we do that. I think yeah. we, I think that's actually the way to go. You make it a more ethnically diverse 50s. You also bring some of the social mores from today into the 50s. Absolutely, yes. And you make it to where it resonates with today's with today's youth, but you also don't screw a lot with the with the source material. Yeah. Cuz otherwise they're not going to see it. Right. Well, I mean, they're children. What do they care about the source material? Have you ever heard of the people who watched The Fault Within Our Stars or The Fault With Our Stars? They went bonkers when they changed shit in that book. I did not know that. I just knew that, like, uh, uh, Who's His Face, the writer, was, like, on set. Uh, John Green. And it's like, John Green was okay with this, so it's probably fun. No. Uh, all right, fair enough. Didn't know that. That'd be a movie for us to talk about one time. Anyway. It is interesting. I'm just going back to this because I think that you take it in a more colorblind, inclusive version. Because in Oklahoma, I think you have rich people and poor people of all backgrounds and I think they're so I think it's to me I ended up making the greasers really inclusive and yeah and I gender swapped some people too and uh, I worked on that because it's tough with the you think about like a like a fight like like people who are at the end they kind of all just like throw down and I do wonder if I wonder in the 50s again if we're doing colorblind maybe we're being gender blind as well and saying just to be just to be open like people aren't afraid to hit girls too because girls can throw punches yeah. I mean, I didn't even, I genuinely, like, wasn't even thinking about the fight, because if any, like, the fight's kind of the thing they talk about the whole movie, and then it kind of just feels like this big nothing. I'm sure it's a bigger moment in the book, but for me, as, like, it was just like, oh, it's this big cathartic moment, they punched each other for a little bit, and then the socials ran away. 
And like the way it was filmed for me felt it was like, okay, yeah, it for me, the more interesting thing was it didn't feel like anyone was winning. It was all just like when we just have our fists, it doesn't matter. We're all just people. And that was more interesting to me. And then just the socials were the ones that ran away first. So the greasers were the ones that were like, we won. And I'm like, did you though? I mean, okay. And maybe the socials were just scared of the rain. Sure. But like they showed up in some really nice clothes to get to roll around in the mud. Right, but that that is actually my point. They had it in the ro- rain and the mud, so by the time you're done, everyone's covered in rain and mud, and you don't know who's yep. what. That's the more interesting thing for me. Everyone's yeah. the same. And, like, it because t- they kept talking about, like, well, none of us really want to fight, but we also don't want to lose. And I feel like that's the interesting thing of just, like, I... So I was expecting, again, knowing nothing, of, like, especially, like, this whole journey that uh, that Ponyboy goes on, and we finally get to the fight, and, like... He literally, like, it's these two people about to throw down, and he just, like, steps in the middle and goes, what are we doing? Do any of us really care about this? This is just, like, po- like stupid posturing. Like, that's what I was expecting to happen. And then when they actually got into a fight, I was like, all right, cool, I guess. Because it felt like we were building up to this big mora- uh, morality moment that just then never happened, other than just being told in the whispering, whispered word of his dying friends to, uh, don't grow up, kid. Stay gold like the sun. Stay gold like the morning. Or the morning, yes. Okay. Uh, which is basically uh, what uh, Robert Frost's way of saying, don't age. So here I am, two, a year or so older than you, and dying. Don't ever age, because this will happen to you. Anyway, bleh. I found it interesting that when Dallas dies, um, they run after the cops going, don't shoot, he's just a kid. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. one of the first, you know, to refer to Dallas as a kid... When, you know, you see him basically in this bar, you think of him kind of as an adult. He's not. He's just a kid like everyone else. Correct. Show. So here's my question for you. Was Dallas already dying? No. No. I ask because he robbed that store. And when he robbed that store, he held the guy at gunpoint. And then as he's leaving, the guy shoots. And Dallas puts his hand to his stomach and it comes away with blood. Apologies, I thought you meant, like, was he dying? Like, From the fire? Yeah, I, or, like, or no, I just thought you meant, like, something else, like, I guess something else going on in his life, but no, the, sh- the shooting, I mean, even then, like, I don't think someone like Dallas looks at that as, like, a fatal wound, like, he, no. he would think of that, like, I can beat that, but then... No, I, I don't think so either, I mean, yes, yeah, suicide by cop, for sure, yeah. but, like, I just, like, re- like, regardless of what anyone else knew, was that already happening? Like, was he about to die a long, slow death before he suicided by cop? I think it was a through and through that he would have survived just fine. Okay. If he got help. Yeah. Fair enough. If he'd gone to the hospital and got help. Or even found, like, some greaser doctor. Backyard doctor or something. He's going to sew him up with razor wire or something. I mean, don't sew someone up with razor wire. (laughs) That (laughs) sounds awful. I think it was more at that point just, I think he had kind of, like, it was more Johnny's death gave him no hope. So it's like if his soul had died, even if his body wasn't physically dying. So even if he survived that gunshot wound, like, he he just, he was done with it. Yeah, he invested everything he had into, like, making sure that these two kids are going to be okay. And then when they weren't, he just lost everything. Yep. Which is interesting. It, It makes him compelling in a way, but I still don't like him. There's not much to like about Dallas. I mean, yeah. he's not a he's not a very likable dude. Yeah. Except for that he shows up when they really need right. him. Yeah. That's he it. shows up when they need him. Yeah. He's completely there for them the second they say we need help. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good and compelling. Yeah. And, and like that that's what makes Dallas compelling of like at his core, he's a good person, but he's like, but I've been ruined by the way the world treats us. And that I think is an interesting argument yep. because it's like 
he at his core he wants to be a good person he wants to believe that there can be good people but he's not really willing to fight for it because he doesn't see anyone else fighting for it and he's just like well whatever it doesn't really matter just like have fun while you can woo i'm dallas who shot dallas it's gonna be a mystery for years it was the cops anyway i'll make jokes it's a good joke is it not really no no <laughs> so i still think 50s but 50s modern perspective 50s yeah um what else do we need to do like what other ways do we want to represent like colorblind casting more gender diverse uh or yet yeah, more gender diverse what are the things do we need to do to adjust the story without changing the story to make it more modern and appealing to a modern audience i think you need to not shoot it like it's a like it's a hallmark postcard <laughs> Ooh, shots fired it's very pretty. It is. It's very pretty, but it. I don't think it will, will would adequately reflect the kind of story we're trying to tell. Because they would do this, and then you know, you'd have these like beautiful shots of Pony Boy and Johnny against the sunrise, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah. and it honestly, looks like they were still images with a, like a painted background. Yeah, it's the who's the famous painter. Norman Norman Rockwell? Norman Rockwell, yeah, like it, like it was Francis Coppola doing a Norman Rockwell, and it like like to treat the characters and I think you got to shoot it more personal. I was gonna uh, say it's it's a lot of wide shots now, and it would be like there would be close ups, but they, you would need like more close ups or more two handers. Like is that what you're saying, or two shots? Or I mean, it feels like they only do close ups when someone's like in deep pain. Yeah, like when someone's like having a moment and like expressing things. Like I understand that you have to do that during the moment, like when you show the golden light, because it's literally leading to the most famous line in the book. But you don't need that in every scene. But yeah, you don't need that in every it's scene. Changed. And you don't, and like, if, because if anything, it should be unique to that moment. Can I ask the one that bothered me, the owl? Like, like the shots, the, they kept cutting to the owl in the barn or in the church. And I mean, if you got a well-behaved owl, I, like, just as a person, I would film an owl, but I wouldn't put it in my movie. It, but that's the thing is it would like fly off and it wouldn't really make sense. And I, I thought there was going to be some, was it in, in the extended cut? Was there something? Oh yeah, that, there was an owl. But and was then, there a bigger purpose to the owl? No. Okay. It was just a really it was, angry it was, owl. It was literally Johnny going, what's that? And Ponyboy going, it's an owl. And then it's there later too. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it was, okay. Did you guys get the raccoon? Yeah, yes. the, uh, Johnny woke up in the middle of the night thinking someone was trying to break in and get after them. It was just a raccoon scratching the wall or something. Oh, no, Ponyboy goes, there's a monster yeah. outside. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a raccoon. It was a raccoon. What about the rats crawling around on all the all the debris that they left on the floor of the church? Did you guys get that? I don't think so. I don't think oh, so. Oh, we had rats. Great. Or I blocked it out. Yeah. I yeah, I don't specifically remember that. Cool. <laughs> That's fun for everybody. I love rats. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But, um... Uh, yeah, so, like I feel like, yeah. So I, I agree, but that's cinematography. That's less story. But I think in this story, cinematography is also key. I didn't cast a new cinematographer. Neither did I. But I think it is it is something to consider in the look of the film. Yeah, I mean that's what I considered when I was doing my director. Same. Same. But we'll get to that, and I'll, I'll have a conversation about why I chose my writer and director pairing that I did. But I think what we also need to do is we kind of. So this is a separate thought. One of the other things that happened in this movie is that Ponyboy kind of has this uh, nostalgic memory of his parents of like, oh, here, there they were. There were these lovely people. There, there they are on the picnic. And then it's just a train. It's a car. Right. That. Yeah. That was fucked. Yeah. I'm sure that's like what happens in the book. But also don't do that. And also, I. It doesn't track well. It doesn't track well. And it's also so abrupt. Yes. 
But again, you're dealing, I mean, you kind of have to answer the question, why are these boys alone? Because Johnny has parents, even if he doesn't like them and they're horrible to him and they beat him up and all this other fun shit. But Ponyboy Dallas and Soda Pop, the Ponyboy Daryl and Soda Pop are alone. Right. So you have is, to answer why these boys are alone. Well, that was the crazy thing for me of like, we have these parents who were treated as like, as this fuzzy, warm memory, but then they also named their kids Ponyboy and Soda Pop. And Daryl. Like, Daryl. Oh, we ran out of good names. He was first. He it was, was first. That's they went. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Daryl. We ran out of good names. I guess we better make <laughs> some up. It's interesting. I think, look, I think the thing that maybe they're trying to establish is that these kids are alone, not because of, you know, partially because of the system, but it's not like, for Johnny, it's like his parents are there, but not taking care of him. For them, I think they're just trying to say it's like these boys against the system, and they came from a loving home, so like, they're just trying to keep that up, maybe. So if you can build that in, maybe? That, yeah, that's kind of what I'm leading to. Of I, What's more important to me is less... They just walk around and talk. And that's very uh, tell-don't-show. And I want to see what is the circumstances. How are they having to make a living? What are they having to do to get by? I feel like we spend so much time being like, here's this crazy week that happened that we don't establish the baseline first. No, we just literally hear about it. And we don't even hear about it until Ponyboy comes back. And he's like, okay, but if you lift two bar- to more than two bales of roofing, we're going to come skin you. And you know that uh, Soda Pop works at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we see a brief glimpse of it earlier. And you're right. like, I guess that's Tom Cruise. He's going to be in this movie. No. Tom Cruise was, was like the seventh listed guy. He was not the star. He got risky business while he was in this movie. It was 1983. It's 1983. 1983. So Tom Cruise had done taps. Yeah. So, yeah. like, he's in the movie, and, like, there's a moment when they're, like, going to fight, and he, like, does his crazy Tom Cruise laugh, and you're like, there he is. Yep. That lasted into the 2000s. That just didn't stop. No. There was some, yeah. there was some note, and I couldn't really see whether or not it was actually true, that Tom Cruise had one of his teeth pulled, so that he would look more authentic after the fight. I, I didn't think notice I've heard that. that fact. And I, I, is it, is he, is he one of the people who's, like, at some point when he was a kid, lost, a, like, part of the tooth, so they had, like, the cap removed It's a, for a thing they put back on. Probably. I've heard that about different characters in different yeah. movies, but I don't know if it was this one. I, I don't specifically know a story about yeah. that. I read it, and I was like, hmm, didn't notice anything, don't care. But yeah, like, I want to see them having to work. I want to see them having to be poor and having to struggle, struggle, struggle in order to do this, and then they just watch the socias go by, and they don't have to do any of that. Yep. And that, of course, would make me resentful towards these people, and of course, like, the that, so, like, we have to do all this work, and they just get it for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get to see that, like, just, it's like they're living in the same place, but in two different worlds. It is a very modern issue that that's the reason. It is. Yeah. And then all the other stuff can happen of, like, like it's just antagonism, antagonism, antagonism. And, like, it, like they're literally torturing uh, uh, Pony Boy, and Johnny has no idea what to do, and he's just, like, stabity stab stab. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, at the end of it, when he's just, like, breaking down, of like, I killed a guy, oh yeah. my god, that was so authentic and real. Like, that was one of the things I liked. That's true. Question, not seeing the actual stabbing. Was that in the extended cut, or is it still, like, a weird... No, you like, still don't see it. He's, like, get, drowning. He's, like, and drowning, then he's not, and the blood's kind of, and the water's kind of red. Yeah, and then and he wakes up, and yeah, Johnny's freaking out. Johnny's freaking out. Because I assume the novel is first-person perspective, right? Yeah, it's all about Ponyboy. So, if Ponyboy's not conscious, then we can't see something happen. But if you're going for the struggle, and you want to see a little bit more about the brothers and stuff, I think you have to avoid, like, I mean, you have to walk away from, like, the first-person POV. I think that maybe is what they got caught up in. They do in this one, too. Like, the any moments when Dallas is on his own, like, when he's robbing the liquor store, like, Ponyboy's not there. Yeah. 
but yes, I agree. I think we need to break the first person perspective. I don't think we need to see Johnny stab the guy because I feel like I feel like I like the idea of Ponyboy losing consciousness yeah. and coming to and just like seeing the aftermath. It's very Moon Knight, and that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I actually enjoyed, not enjoyed, but I thought the shot with the two body with like Johnny Ponyboy and Bob's body on the ground was actually really beautiful. I agree. But it was a really good shot. Gorgeously shot. And it was gorgeously shot while being very personal between the two boys. It's Johnny freaking out and Ponyboy not knowing how to comfort his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also not knowing what happened, really. Or what to do. Yeah. He thought he was dying before that. He like he he just came back from consciousness. He thought he was gonna drown and now yeah. He, yeah. anyway. It's and like and you see this like you see Johnny pull out the knife and then there's the water turns red and you're just yeah. like, Oh man. Because of course that's what happened. And so stuff like that we gotta keep and then like and I think Dallas's advice being bad is right because again he's a kid. It's important. Yeah, and Ponyboy running out after after Daryl, you know, hits him or mm-hmm. something, and just like immediately just turns and runs. They don't stop and talk about it. No, he's fourteen. He's just gonna bail. He doesn't know how to process or no. express his and emotions. I think, but I think that's one thing this movie did really well is saying the fact that these boys really had no idea how to process their emotions. Yes. They have these emotions. They, and they have, have big no emotions. Idea. Yes, and they have no idea what to do with them. So they just, they react, and sometimes it's the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they buy hair dye and bleach, and they decide to cut their hair with a with a, with a a pocket knife. Yeah. And... And then Johnny hair's, Johnny's hair wasn't that different. And then they don't dye Johnny's hair. Johnny looks the exact same. Yeah. Well, I think Ralph Macchio blonde would have been really bad. We don't know. We, we'll never sure. know. Because even like it's like because they didn't want to like cut their hair. Like that was the big thing. It's like, but he kind of like cut his hair a little bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, so then, how we go have Dallas bring the boys back because they've been gone long enough and everyone's cooled down, which I think is fair. And then they just kind of stumble upon this fire along the way back, and it's just one of those chance random occurrences. No, no. I'll say no. Because, and I'm pretty sure I'm taking this from the book mostly, but it's kind of what it is. The church that they were staying in or the abandoned structure on top of the hill caught fire because Johnny didn't put out his cigarettes. Yeah, that's, so there's oh, a Oh, I kn- was that in the that's, movie? So that's not, that's, that I knew from the book, but that's the thing. It's not even clear in the movie that it's the same structure. That's the thing. It, I thought it was just on see, their way I just, home. I, I guess I read the book so much. I'm like, oh, of course that's what happened. So from, yeah, so that's the thing is I was going to say it's the same structure. It's not, a, it doesn't happen to be that they come upon it. It's they're going they're like checking on their hideout yeah. one more time, and they're finding out that it's the fire that like and they and they that are, they happen to be there during the the long weekend when it wasn't when school wasn't in session. I don't think that was a school that anyone was going to with the rats. No, 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 no. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was like they went on a field trip or something to look at the old church. Yeah. Oh. Kids went into the old church. The old church caught on fire. Yeah. Everyone froze. Then Pony Boy and Johnny run in to save the kids. And Got Dallas it. at first. So it's okay. not like they just sort of like driving around going, oh, look, there's a fire. Let's yeah. stop off that's, and stop. That's genuinely what I thought happened. It yes. does very much play like that in the sh- the shorter version of the movie. Okay, in the longer version, I guess it also plays like that. But then I'm bringing in my memories of the book, which I also kind of reread. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Because okay, just- that makes way – that narratively makes way more yeah. sense. I mean, from a moralistic perspective of like, they're the, like, we're not bad people just because of our circumstances. And if something bad happens, we will rise to the occasion and do the right thing. Is kind of the moral thing I got from the movie as I saw mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they also feel guilty and responsible, like, makes them running, like, we take responsibility for our actions. And that's part of why we're going back. And it's this big grand narrative. And sometimes people burn alive because of it. But that is more interesting. And I would like that. Emphasized. Yeah. To be emphasized. Yeah. And not even emphasized. 
Present. Yes. Yes. Present period. Yes. yes. Yeah, I had no idea. It's because my question coming away, I had this memory of reading the book, and I'm like, I think it's the same structure, but the way that it plays in the, the 90 minute feature, you can't tell that it's the same structure. It, I was going to say, I looked like when you were saying that, I'm like, did they use the same set to like save money? But it's not. It was supposed to be the same structure. Okay. Yeah. Because I genuinely thought like Dallas had picked them up and then just like they were driving back to town and this was a church on the It way. does look like that, but that's not it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. cool. That solves that problem for me. Okay, and then they get back to town, and then... Poor Johnny. He's just gonna die. Yeah. Did you guys get a visit from Johnny's mother in the hospital? No. He says, well, he says no. They say your mom's there, and he says, I don't want to see her. And Okay, mom shows up. And he freaks out. You actually see mom getting hauled away by a nurse. You don't see that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, in our version, uh, Johnny's like, I don't want to see her. She's just gonna tell me that I'm I'm making a scene. I don't want to see her. I don't want to see her. And then he passes out. Yeah. Okay, he does that in my version, but then also you get a sequence after that where drunk mom is there, the nurse is trying to pull her away, and Tubit is like, you're a drunk, you're a horrible mother, get the, you know, get the bleep out of here. That's Amelia Weston, it's yeah. a shining scene, and it got it's cut. It's a shining scene. It that is. That didn't cake. That said, I don't think we need it. No. No. I'm just bringing that up, that, you know, this is again a scene that was added into the yeah. film. Yeah. The, I don't think we need the parents. I, mean, I, don't I think, think the, whole point, the whole point of this thing is the absence of adults. I yeah. agree. Yes, I agree with that. Though we do need, though, the explanation of where the Curtis parents are or something. I mean, yeah, but I don't think we need to see flashbacks. No, no, no We can no. just say, yeah, the, they, died. They, they died. And I actually, they, I actually, the, my sorry. brother raises me and uh, it, we, we have to, we have to do all these things. Otherwise I get taken away and then I don't know where I'm going to end up. And I forgot that, that was even the parents flashback. I was like, this is very abrupt and weird. I forgot that it was the backstory to the parents when I saw it. It was very strange. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dan, we interrupted you. No, no, no. I was thinking in the sort of re- revamped version that I was thinking of, they're not, they're all foster brothers and the foster parents died. And Daryl's like the, 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 was the, was the one that aged out of the system. And he's the one raising the other two boys. Because no one wants to go back to the system. No, no, no one wants to go back in the system, and no one wants these boys. And Daryl's the one who steps up I don't to e- do it. I don't even think we need a no one wants these boys. It's just the foster system's yeah. not great. No, the foster system's not and, great. Like, it can literally be like, they finally had a home, and then the parents die. Yeah. And like, they're not telling anybody, because then they'll just go back in the system, and Daryl's like, no, 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 no. We don't tell anybody. We'll just raise ourselves. Yeah. I, I think that's more that, interesting. That's kind of, that, that was kind of where my brain was going, is that they're foster brothers and stuff like that. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I thought about that. I thought that maybe, like, somehow the guys had, like, ended up in a foster home at one point, and that's how, like, the Curtis brothers met some of the mm-hmm. other play, like, the other brothers. I thought in my head, or just in my casting, I, I made the three brothers related, and that's just how I saw it. Um, but I completely understand, because I... I think once they're in the foster system, not that, I mean, kids can fall through the cracks. On the plus side, if we go with the foster system, then we can potentially, when we're doing casting, pull any one of our brothers and put them together. And we don't have to necessarily, well, we're definitely going with that one, which I guess means we're going with these other two. Very, very true. It's it's interesting. It's just, it is very interesting uh, because I... I understand. I didn't understand how your phone was standing up. Oh. (laughs) There's a little kickstand. Yeah, it's cool. Sorry. Continue. Okay, so um, I lost my train of thought. It's okay; it wasn't important, but um, but it was just no. The it's the the foster system. I it's it's interesting. I think that then does that does it become a little bit more about that too? Like, is that something you have to cover? Is that like I don't think so. Okay. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think the foster system at least gives me an excuse not to have to worry about casting three white brothers or three black brothers that I can mix it up. Yep. As well as also talking about the fact that boys don't want to get stuck in the system. One of the things Dallas is all about is not getting stuck in that system. Yeah. yeah. 
And the same with Daryl and the same with Soda Pop and everyone. They just don't want to be in the system. Yeah. So I think if they were already in the system and now have found a way out. Yep. And if... Is there a better explanation in the book as to why their names are Soda Pop and Pony Boy other than our parents were a little weird? No. No. Okay. Nope. We can't do something other it's, than that because that that is... That's canonical and that needs to stay. Yes. But I also think that's one of those things where you just kind of accept it. Like, people are... People have their own thing. Like, maybe yeah. their parents... I mean, you, they couldn't have been hippies at that time. But, you know, it's like, what would... It's their people named, like, Flower. And, you know, it's like... Yeah. It, at least they're not calling the child Mercedes Benz. Exactly. That, yes, I agree. Uh, at least they're not branded. It yeah. is a generic pony and a generic soda pop. And I appreciate that because they are It's not Coca-Cola. Yes. Yeah. That would be a social name. Yeah. That would be a social name. All right. Pepsi's the greasers. <laughs> I mean, I would say RC Cola's the greasers. Okay. okay tab. There what about Tab? I mean, Tab's not around anymore. But yeah. in the 50s. Was Tab around in the 50s? Tab's like 80s and 90s. No idea. Just Tab was here and now it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, I'm not sure what else we can do in terms of like talking about plot. I would say let's just start talking about our cast. Yeah, let's do that. We got to start with Ponyboy, obviously. So one of the things we... Before I do that, one of the things we talked about uh, prior to hitting record is how difficult a casting job this was. And I... I looked high and low trying to find teenagers and people who could play teenagers for the most part. Obviously for like Daryl, uh, I think I cast someone and she's 29 because, but like she can play younger, but yeah. And we also did gender swaps and everything. For example, my Johnny is female. Let's, so with that in mind, dear listener, this was hard and you can't just cast the kids from Stranger Things because they're not kids anymore. No, they're in their 20s mostly. Yeah. yeah. Except for a couple. But anyway... Ponyboy Curtis, I uh, cast an actor named Isaiah Russell Bailey, who, that's the thing. Most of the people I cast, you're not going to know because they're young and haven't done all that much. Um, Isaiah Russell Bailey is uh, mostly, he was in something called Family Reunion. Is that on Netflix? I've never even heard of that. That was like, I think that was like, wasn't that, that may have been based off of, like, no, never mind. I was thinking like, are we home yet? Never mind. Uh, He's, uh... I don't know what what channel it's on. It's a TV series. Uh, yes, it is on Netflix. Um, and he's a, a lead in it because he's in 35 episodes. But everything else he's in, it's an episode here, an episode there, an episode here, an episode there. How old is he? Uh, he is 15. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. I cast a kid named Jackson Robert Scott from Lock and Key. I have him on my list. He's only 13. He's uh, My question was, is he too he's four, young? He's about 14. Oh, he's, okay. He's, okay. About, he's close to being 14. I have him as one of my people. I thought since yeah. Ponyboy is actually 14, why yeah. not get an actual 14-year-old to do it? That's a wild notion. I will say, I'm between, so I was between him and Ian Armitage, who plays young Sheldon, and mm-hmm. also had a fantastic part in Big Little Lies, where he got to, you got to see more of his dramatic chops. Um, so I was between those two kids, but, and he's, and Ian is 14. This yeah. is, so. uh, this is Isaiah Russell Bailey, by the way. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. So I guess the difference is I cast a black kid and you both cast white kids. We did. But we then did. the rest of the Curtis family, I made black. Okay. And you cast the young Sheldon kid. I, yeah. you Jackson, Robert Scott, I will take Ian Armitage then. Yes. Sure. Um, let's come back to that. Who did okay. you have? I feel like we got to talk about our like main five. Sure. Can I say one thing about Dallas? I think, and this is this maybe goes back to story. But given how he dies, I actually thought it was interesting to keep him white. Because uh, I think otherwise that makes it a different 
kind it of. makes it a different story yeah. altogether. Yeah, my Dallas is also white. Yeah, so okay. is mine. I, I don't think I even considered him any other color yeah. on that because I was just like, oh, that makes it a little yeah, it's, it's exploitative or yeah, and we don't. I, don't I mean, it makes it more authentic, unfortunately. Yeah, but true. and so there's something to be said about that level of authenticity. Um, but that's also could be very triggering for a potential audience that we would want to be involved. Yeah. But yeah, I also kept my Dallas it's, white. It's like, then you need a third act that deals with Dallas's death, but then that's not. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Who did you, who are we going to next? Uh, Diana, Johnny? who did you have for Johnny? Miles Brown from Blackish. He's 17. I actually have him as a different character. This is so cool. I, so my Johnny, I actually have a kid who is 16. His name's Ian Chen. He was in Fre- the little one in Fresh Off the Boat. He's okay. in the Shazam series now. Okay. Um, and he'll be 16 in September. So he's like, I know that that so or that uh, Johnny's described as physically small. Yeah. So I'm like 15 turning 16. That could be a good way. So anyway, that was To me at least, Pony Boy and Johnny had to be the ones that actively looked their age. Yes. They yes, couldn't correct. actually, they couldn't be... Young looking adults. I think there's something about a, an, um, an innocence that children bring to a role. Yeah. But they also had to be kids that actually had done something. So I couldn't just sort of make up some dude, like, bro on the street and cast him or find some. Or, sorry, I was going to say, not to interrupt, even like kid with like couple, at, like, or like a couple episodic, even without like the series regular, like someone who just, because there's a lot of teenagers who have done like guest spots here, guest spots there, but they don't even have that like series regular 30 plus episodes or something. Right. That they've had a job. Yeah, well, I keep but, remembering something that the Stranger Things casting woman said. I watched an interview with her, and she said, we needed to cast kids that knew how to, that, that were professionals. Yep. So I thought that was the kind of the same thing with Ponyboy and Johnny. We needed to cast kids who were professionals in this. Yep. Yeah. Given the option of who we've talked about so far, I would potentially lead towards Ian Chen. My Johnny, I gender swapped, but I think that might be a uh, mistake for everything that we've been talking about, so I'm not even going to bring her up. Um, so I would lean towards Ian Chen for Johnny. Okay. I like keeping, I have Miles Brown though, so I'll tell you when we get to him. Okay, great. Yeah. Because I really liked him. I really liked him a lot. Um, fantastic. And also, so this is, this is weird, but he's, he's like a dancer. So the one place where I had him was the, I'm, I'm spoiling it, but there's like, let's just say there's one character who had one thing that sticks in my head as a dance move. And that's why I went to him. Okay. So we'll get there. Yeah. Preview. It's Daryl. Daryl dances. It's not. It's no, not Daryl. It's not Daryl. He's not the one that does the handstand over the fence. I don't. Oh, it was Daryl? Oh, was Daryl? Was no, Darryl. it wasn't. No, I'm pretty it was sure. Tom Cruise. Yes, it was Tom Cruise. That was Tom Cruise. Yep. Yeah, that yep. was Tom Cruise because he also does the flip off the yep. car, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, Tom Cruise does a lot of acrobatics in this. We'll get to that. I mean, he just yeah. wants attention. Yeah, he does. Um, he's changed. Let's yeah. Uh, let's talk about Dallas. Okay. Okay. Sam, you're trying to go first. Ooh, then I will go with my first, uh, Javon, Javon Walton. He's 16. He played Astra in Utopia. Um, and he was on the Umbrella Academy. He had a great role in Utopia. This kid is fantastic. His, his, he goes by Juana. I don't know. He's out of Atlanta and he's been acting since he was a kid. I just think he has like, he has the chops and like, he just, he plays that, that like rough, like street kid, but with depth and, and it's a, he's like only 16. So I think that's fantastic. Yep. You're right. He's 16. Okay, mine was, that's, I was looking him up, he's 22, uh, he is Jace Norman, he was in, like, some of the Nickelodeon shows, and he was on Henry Danger, he's in Game Shakers, just kind of a tall blonde guy, but a young one. Okay, so. I went a little different, I went with Dylan Minnette. Who is Dylan How old Minette? is he, though? Is he's, he like, like, 22, 23, so okay. he's not, the, but he's been acting for so long. He, I mean, like, when and I, I think of could, young Matt Dylan. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I thought he could bring a, bring a gravitas to Dallas. 
Dylan Minnette is 25. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, Matt Dylan, you know, he looks older. Yeah. He looks older. Here, wait, can I show you this is the kid that I'm in? Oh, he's adorable. And you saw him, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen Umbrella yeah. Academy. I know who you're talking about. He was yes. very good in Umbrella Academy. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he's great. And because I've, like, of all the people we've mentioned, he's the only one who I've actually seen be in something. Uh, so, like, I... If we cast an actual real 16-year-old, then we need to make sure that the people we're casting are, like, yeah. Ian Chen and everything else. If anything, though, he strikes me as slightly too young, because, like, the whole point of Dallas is that he is older, like, he looks older, but is still a kid. You're right, he does look yeah, how young. old, like, he's eight, 17, 18, 19? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere on there. My backup is also Umbrella Academy, if we need a backup. I have a backup, but we don't uh, But I... I kind of like Dylan. Yeah, we're going to go with Dylan. Go with Dylan. We go with Dylan. Because he's, he's, he's got a 25-year-old? He's 25. Actually, maybe we pick someone else I picked for this. Maybe the guy I picked for 2-Bit would work for Dallas. I, so my other idea just for this, my backup, was the other kid in Umbrella Academy who played 5. His name is Aiden Gallinger. He's turning 19 in September, so he's only 18. He is good. I like him. Does he have the, gra- I think he has the gravitas? Oh, he definitely has the yeah. gravitas. He's amazing. He I just think he's too recognizable now. Um, but that might work to our benefit of, like, him being the gruff, like, asshole that we all kind of establish and know him as. Yeah. What about Jason, Jacob Tremblay? The guy from Room? That's a great idea that I have someplace else. I had him in there, and I was yeah. like, I want to yeah, use him somewhere. Yeah, I specifically didn't cast him. Okay. He, gets, he just gets used all the time. He's like, who do we have as a child? Here's the child everyone knows. I mean, he's, he's turning 16 in December, so, so he's, on the, he's actually on the younger side. He's on the younger side, but he looks older? Well, he... he yeah, I I like Jacob Tremblay, but not for Dallas. Okay, I was gonna say I have this him and um, Javon Walton now and are kind of in the same place in my head where like they have the gravitas, but maybe they don't they don't look like they've lived enough. Like they don't they don't look almost like old enough. I get what you're saying. Like I would. How old was Matt Dillon? I, I don't know. Matt Dillon was like 20 when he did this yeah. role. Yeah, um, and like I said, the guy I had, Jason Norman, is 22. Um, but I mean, the other person that Google's recommending is Jack Dylan Grazer, which. Oh, that came up he's, on one of my lists. Yeah, me as yeah. well. He's I have him somewhere down here. He look, I mean, he's And he's 18. Yeah, he, he'll be 19 he'll, in September. Yeah, he'll be 19 in 4 days. I, I I have that note here. I was like he's almost 19. He yeah. did a really like the thing is a lot of his stuff is more comedic, but he he was in that Timothy Timothy Chalamet movie Beautiful Boy with Steve mm-hmm. Carell. He's also in It. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but in terms of, I mean, that, is that? I mean, yes, there's gravitas in it, but it's like it's it's horror. I mean, yeah, Dallas is no, but beautiful boy, I think would work for him. Yeah, beautiful boy would work. I think I think that's probably the better bet. Say I the like name of the actor, Jack Dylan Grazer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. like that. Okay, idea. yeah, okay. Then let's go with Jack Dylan Grazer for Dallas. Fantastic. That brings me to Daryl. Uh, oh, it's my turn to go first. Yeah. So this is another character that I uh, gender swapped. Um, this actress was in American Gods. She was in Rutherford Falls. Uh, she's also in Reservation Dogs. Oh, cool. Um, her name is Devery Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And the idea, like, I understand in the original movie, like, it's the, it, it's a boy taking care of boys. And I get that that's kind of, like, the notion of what's happening. Um, but we have two women. One of them's Cherry. And one of them's Cherry's friend. And that's it. And we gotta have some other women in here i think uh and so this is was a place not because i'm like leaning on the whole maternal thing which is what i'm i that wasn't my intention but like i just found her and i just thought that she was good for this particular role i get it but i'll actually argue against that just because one of the things that makes this interesting 
is that you can deal with the thought of toxic masculinity, then you also deal with the fact that boys have feelings. And I think that's a huge big thing in this film. And that's fair. And I think to take sort of the nurturing part away away from a boy who's taking care of his brothers is is not necessarily the best way to go and almost makes the gender swap thing seem like it's almost arbitrary. That's fair. It's that's that's a that's a fantastic argument. Who did you have? I had um for Daryl, I had Ashton Sanders from Moonlight, a native son. How old is he? He's like mid-ish twenties, I think. I got a little confused with date with birth dates. Ashton Sanders is twenty six. Which I thought was perfect. Yeah, that's not bad. That's yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I'm trying to think. I feel like everyone has either too young or too old. Then, but yeah. In that case, then we're going with the foster siblings, and they're not yeah. related. Yeah, we're going with the foster yeah. siblings, which I think we should blood, do anyway. That aren't, that aren't blood related, yeah, sure. because then I'm not constricted well, about. Sorry to interrupt. I was yeah. like, then we don't have to deal with how their parents die at all, because they. Well, all... we have to. We have to deal with how the foster parents died. That's yeah. Okay. Yep. There like, you go. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. that 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 was what Diane was saying. Is like they were they finally found a home outside of the foster system, and then the parents died, and the last thing they could possibly like they finally found something, and then it's taken away from them. Yep. Okay. All right, Ashton Saunders. All right, so then, Sam, who did you have for Soda Pop? Soda Pop. Well, I was sticking with the... I'm going to... Because we talked about Tremblay, I'm going to go to a backup. I'm, I actually have Noah Jupe, who is 18, and he was in A Quiet Place. He's going to be in the Lost Boys remake, and he was in Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf. That's how everybody came to know him in terms of Quiet Place. I was going with the their, their, their like, related siblings. Um, so, uh, so that's where I got Noah from. He's an incredible actor. He's doing, I think, he's been doing a couple of TV shows, and... I think he could, like, take that role to the next level. Yeah. How old is Soda Pop in the book? 16 going on 17. Got it. Okay. And Noah's 18. He's a young 18. Yeah, yeah the guy I cast is 21. Um, he is... Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name. His name is uh, Zolo Maraduena, and he's in Parenthood. He's going to be the new Blue Beetle, and, you know, who is a teenager... So, mm-hmm. like, he is going to be playing a teenager. And in the pictures that we had, like, literally there's side-by-side pictures of him with a goatee and him without. And without, he is a child. And yeah. So, yeah. So, like, that kid. And, like, like that's who he is. He's, like, all three I, of these. But, like... I think I remember his character on Parenthood. He was really good. I feel like... I think he... Did he play a character that I think was, like, Erica Christensen and Sam Jager Yeah, that's someone who's seen Parenthood. Know. Okay. I didn't really watch it then, but I remember that... If I remember that character, he, he got adopted into the family and he was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Diane, who did you have for Soda Pop? I had Jarrell Jerome from When I when They See Us. I'm unfamiliar with him. I think he might be a bit too old. Too old. I think he was a bit too old. But I was having a lot of problems with Soda Pop because for me, Rob Lowe read very much older than Pony Boy. And he read about the same age to me as Daryl. So I was just... I know he's not, but I guess the way I saw it, I was just like, uh, age-wise... Because I thought I could go with actors in their 20s for Daryl and Soda Pop. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a hard time with it just because, like, because I'm so familiar with them as they are now. Like, it's hard for me to think of them as children. Like, watching uh, uh, Emilio Estevez, like, just be friends with this child. I was like, you're Emilio Estevez. You look the goddamn same. This is weird. Stop being weird. Stop hanging out with children, Emilio well, Estevez. The fountain of youth on this one was strong. Like, yeah. Ralph yeah. Macchio, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, have yeah. all, they've all aged fantastic. Rob yeah. Lowe actually no longer looks... Rob Lowe's had a lot of work done. Yeah. I watched Lone Star. Rob Lowe's had a lot of work done. We believe you. Um, in this particular situation, I think I would push us towards Zolo uh, Maraduena. Sure. Sure. Did I go first for this one, or did you? You did a... I think it's Diane's. Is okay, Diane, yeah. it's your turn. Uh, speaking of Emilio Estevez, who do you have for Two Bit Matthews? Emilio. 
No, because you don't like him because I already said him. So Jacob yeah. Tremley, and you don't like him. So I don't can't. dislike him. I mean, it's a little bit. you got to bring some humor to it. So who are you going to put in there? This is comic relief. So Two-Bit's comic relief. His yeah. name is Two-Bit. He's comic relief. He's going to give us a bit. Yeah. So who okay. do we want for comic relief? Sam, who did you have? I have uh, the comic relief thing kind of. I was stuck between two people, and the comic relief uh, got me set between. Also, um, a young actor from Reservoir Dogs, Defaro Wunatai. Is his name? He plays Bear on oh, Reservoir yeah, Dogs. I actually thought about him. He's totally nineteen, him. Yeah. so he's like kind of the right age. Yeah, and I felt like just this this character on Reservation Dogs is fantastic. He's like the older he's the older of the two, the one with the ponytail, the rapper dad, mm-hmm. um, and he just handles that really well. It's a great storyline, but he's also hilarious in the comic yeah, relief. I thought he'd be perfect as well. Okay, I'm unfamiliar, but I trust your opinion. The my two bit Matthews. This was another gender swap thing I did, and. Uh, so I cast an actress named Eris Baker. She's in This Is Us. She's in Alexa and Katie, Casey Undercover. She's like Disney School of Acting kind of thing. Like comedy things and doing Disney Nickelodeon stuff means she can do comedy stuff. I, I understand not wanting to gender swap. Daryl, how do you feel about gender swapping too bit? I don't mind. I don't but, mind it. But I'm trying to think of... I'm trying to think of the reason to gender swap other yeah. than let's just gender swap. Yeah. Like, what does it bring to the character if we do gender swap? Good question. Or can I pitch a different actress? Sure. I don't care. Miss Marvel, Iman Vellani is her name. She's 19. Ooh. That's a good thought. Uh, just in terms of, I'm trying to, I, I appreciate the Disney School of Acting, but I'm also trying to think if there's someone who's done My only problem more. with casting Miss Marvel is, based on her role in the show, how do we get all of the young boys not to fall in love with her? Then I think that's a problem that we would love to have. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. just. I, I, I got the joke. I think, it's, it's just a it's just a joke for people who've seen the show. <laughs> yeah, I think we got to look at uh, like two bit a yeah. little bit like um, like what was it Swoop in the Wire? I don't know if I've got the I've got the name right. She played one of the uh, one of Omar's sort of uh, part of Omar's crew, yeah. but she was a very androgynous actor, and you didn't know at first whether or not she was a boy or a girl, and she was like, "I'm female." And she actually says this in the show, and she said it to um, the guy who played Omar. She said it to him at the bar when he met her. He, she, you know, she was very proud of that, but she was very androgynous looking. So I don't know whether or not that's something we want to bring to Tubit. I think that's reasonable. I think, especially if we're establishing that it's largely poor people versus rich people, they're poor women too, and they're yeah. having to like work and struggle yeah. and like get jobs and like have to deal with the same situation as everyone else. And if they're able to do that and maintain a sense of humor, I mean, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. So I would push us to either Eris Baker or uh, the, the 17-year-old or the 19-year-old. I was going to say, I have 21 feels too old, right? Because I also have a 21-year-old actress. I have 21 is too a little old. too old. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, went, I basically made a huge Cherry Marsha grid that I'm just now like, anytime, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's do Eris Baker then. Okay. All right. So then the next actor I have, I don't even remember who went first. Uh, I think, Sam, it's your turn to go first. So okay. tell us about who you have for Cherry. Cherry, okay. Um, my Cherry is uh, 16-year-old Peyton Elizabeth Lee. She's the new Doogie Howser and was the lead in Andy Mack. And she's actually like a teenage actress, but yeah. that is cool. That is cool. Um, that is really cool. And I think that she has a couple of different, you know, she, also the Disney school, but just like Andy Mack, if you don't know the show, was basically about a like young girl who finds out in the pilot that the like her older sister is actually her mom and her parents have been raising her even though she was their grandkid and that's and kind of like this new family and how she, she, she figured out she's a child and now she's the new Doogie Hauser, which is awesome. Um, so that is my cherry. Yeah. I think she's great. I cast her as Cherry's friend. There you go. So I got nothing against Peyton Elizabeth Lee. 
Yeah. I think that's actually probably better than mine, which well, is Amanda Steinberg. Oh, Amanda Steinberg. Amanda Steinberg, I think. Yeah, yeah. From, from The Hate You Give. How yeah, old is she? The, the 23-year-old? Yeah, yeah she's too damn old. I, I, was she? I'm trying to think. Like, I remember she was the kid in like something. But it was no, like, she was in The Hate You Give, which is what I, when even, I saw her. I'm trying to think. Oh, no, she was in The Hunger Games. That's what it was. She yeah, was the little girl in The Hunger Games. Yeah, she was in The Hunger Games. She was Rue in The Hunger Games. She's great in The Hunger Games. When did that come out? I was going to say, that's in my head. She's like, that age would have been great. But that was like 15 The Hate You Give was actually pretty good. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think unfortunately she's probably a little. I think bit y'all's too old. choice is much better. I haven't said what my choice. No, what was. is your choice? What is your choice? Uh, my choice is an actress named uh, Marseille Martin. Oh, fantastic! She from the the young girl from Blackish. She yeah. is now. I I I had her, but I realize she has a production company is doing like all of her own stuff. So I feel like she's not going to join like a. Anyway. Ensemble cast. Yeah, ensemble cast. You never know, but I mean, she's 18. She was the little girl in Little. She was in Blackish. That's who I had. (laughs) Job's a job. You're getting to be in The Outsiders. Uh, The real question is would she be willing to dye her hair red? Oh, that is. I didn't think it was. See, and I thought Cherry's name was actually unbelievably problematic. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Because her name was Sherry, but they called her Cherry because of her hair? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, Cherry just hit me the wrong way. But that being said, we can call her Sherry. Her no, that's her name. I mean, the whole point is that they call her Cherry because the whole point is you want to pop that Cherry. Is that the whole point? Of yeah, it? I really do think so. I think she's sexualized in that. I don't. That's interesting. No, was that term even around at the time? Yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to check after this, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, well, it, it definitely was around. I feel like when the book was written, maybe okay. not. Maybe not. I don't know. I felt Cherry as a name is very problematic, so I wouldn't mind going back to Sherry. Yeah. Because I think that way we can cast whoever, whomever we want in the role. And we're not worried about hair color. We, yeah, we don't have to. I, didn't, I, can, do it, I can tell you that that term wasn't around in the 50s. Okay, so we're not using it. Thank gosh. Let's just uh, call her Sherry and let's say. Call oh, her no, Sherry. I'm wrong. I'm oh. sorry. We're Poppy still- once Cherry is found in the 1970s and is principally used of women losing their virginity. Yeah. I don't know. This is weird. This dictionary entry takes a turn. Yeah. It uh, took a turn for the bad? No. Confusing? It, it's just it's a, it's unclear as to what time period it originated in. Y- yeah, it's like because popping one's cherry is the 1970s. Lose one's cherry is different. The cherry is the representative of the virginity. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, but to but, me, at least, cherry in the outsiders represents the unattainable Virgin Mary, and that's why everyone is going for her. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's the part of it that I'm like I'm happy to. Yeah. Avoid. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know that. That's why I'm yeah, like, this I'm agreeing with you. Problematic. Totally. I'm agreeing yeah. with Great. you. Okay. Her yeah. name's Sherry. Her Sherry. name's Sherry. But Marcy Martin. Or Well, did either of you cast her friend? I no. did. Who'd you have? I have Daphne Keene, who is the lead in His Dark Materials and was Little Logan. She's 17. I love Daphne Keene. Honestly, yeah. amazing. I mean, she could also be Cherry. Yeah. Or Sherry. That's, yeah. that's the thing. And then your Peyton Elizabeth Lee is Marsha. Anyway, or you could have Marcy Martin as. Yeah, I mean, she's 18. Which is fine. Cherry, uh, Sherry, Sherry, excuse me. Sherry could be a senior. I here's now now that you but here's the thing now that you've mentioned Peyton Elizabeth Lee as Marsha, I can't stop seeing Peyton Elizabeth Lee as Marsha. Yeah, I mean, Daphne Keene is so strong and just like I like I would make Daphne Keene our our Sherry and then keep Peyton Elizabeth Lee as the friend. Yeah, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. She's an. And I believe she is an English Spanish actress. Phenomenal. Which is like cool. Her yeah. Her dad was in Dark his Dark Materials with her, which I think is cool. Yeah. I That's mean really and cool. also she was in Logan, where yeah, she, she was, speaks exclusively Spanish. Yes. She was the young I mean, she was just such a badass. She's X twenty three. She's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. And if anything, I think that's interesting just as a character's perspective of 
in the 50s, like, I, because I feel like what they bond is like, being poor is really tough to grow up. It's also really tough growing up being a woman in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and like, you got to be tough either way. What I would love to see is I would love to see a Sherry and Marsha scene. Like, I would just love for them to exist. If we're going to, like, in the, if we're going from, like, the 90-minute version to the director's cut version, what I would like is more of those scenes, especially. Of, like, the two of them together? Because right now the the scene is the two of them getting out of a car because uh, Bob was getting fresh Mm -hmm. because he was drinking and he promised not to drink around her. Damn Bob. And uh, who, yeah, we need to get to him in a second. Bob is scum. And then, like, then they go and they're hassled by Dallas. And it's just like, can't these two catch a break? Yeah. Yep. Uh, they will be more well-rounded, developed characters in this hypothetical. Region. Yes, yes. Um, so here's a question: Did yeah. you guys have a scene at the end where Pony Boy's at high school and he says hi to Sherry or Cherry? No. And she disses him. No. No. That's that's so in the. That was so in my. That head. would piss me off. Well, yeah, I mean, they it totally say does. It, but it totally does. It well, totally does. Sherry in the movie says, yeah. "Please don't take offense if I don't say hi to you when we're in high school." Yeah. Yeah. So what she does is walk right he says hi and she walks right past him and goes to her friends so just to show the status quo hasn't changed and then Pony's Boy's teacher comes up and says hey you need to write something otherwise you're going to fail my class and then he goes to write and he goes to write the outside. so we skip right we don't have any of that preamble you just skip to him writing the I think that, I think that it really diminishes Cherry's, uh, Cherry's character it really does I think it does too. Yeah. yeah. Especially because, like, she was the one going around telling everybody yes. that Bob is the one who started it. Like, yes. she was the one who was already, everybody knows that I am the one who's breaking. And then, like, to not do it when literally everybody already knew that she was the one going mm-hmm. back and forth. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. But that was a scene that felt weird. Yeah, we won't mm-hmm. have that. No. Cool. Who? I don't have Bob. Who do you two have for Bob? Okay, so this is where I had, I, I was just like, enough of this. I'm just going to cast Stranger Things kids. <laughs> so I made them both the socias. I made two of the Stranger Kids kids the socials. Yeah, I, I cast Randy Anderson or whoever, the, the one in the car. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I cast Bob as Caleb McLaughlin. Interesting. Because I thought that might be fun. I I have him, so I had him in my, like, in, like, a so, in like my socials idea. I, yeah. I kind of, I like him as the friend. I, I like, Who talks to him. Who, yeah, yeah. Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Randy. Yeah. So then I had Gaten as Randy. So we could just switch those. Who? Who's Gaten? Gaten? Oh, Matarazzo? Matarazzo, yeah. 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 Another kid is from it Galen or Gaten? Is it Galen? I Galen? think it's Galen. I would switch them. If it were me, I would make Gaten Matarazzo Bob, and I would make Caleb McLaughlin. I would make him Randy Anderson. Yeah. I want to share my Bob. My Bob is a... Uh, so I was going based on the fact that Leif Garrett, before that movie, was a pop star. Okay. So I was trying to think, like, who is, like, the right kind of... And he's, he's one of my older people, but I said Sean Mendes, um, who can play Bob. <laughs> Who I believe Diane and I, we've discussed the third, not for him, but yummy. Um, yeah. And, like, there's just something, it's like taking that pop star, like, having him be that role. Also, like, the other thing, too, I wonder is, and I, I'm casting a white guy because otherwise it's like you have, like, white kids killing black kids. And, like, that's just because Bob dies as well. I'm just thinking in terms of yeah. the dynamics. Mm-hmm. So I, I like Caleb being there. I like him. I like him. I just am worried that if it's, like, a white kid. Or I, yeah, no, wait, I agree with you. I forget, actually. Or Johnny, even then, if it's, like, a kid of one race killing the kid of another race, I think it, it loses just that, like, little, like, accident. Right. It becomes a lot more. Yeah. But I also, or if we don't like the idea of Sean Mendes, I also like Aiden Matarazzo. I yeah. like any great ideas. Yeah, Who let's do, you, do that. Uh, oh, you didn't. Right, didn't I didn't. Okay. Um, so let's have... Do you want Caleb and Gaiden or Caleb and Sean? I think I want... You want to pair the kids up? I want to pair the kids up because yeah. I think they've got a camaraderie anyway. Him over, like, Finn Wolfhard, you think? Finn, okay, Finn I really like. He's just grown up and he looks like a vampire. 
right now. Neat. He's really lanky. He's really pale. And I just don't think he would work for, like, Oklahoma. I don't see him in Oklahoma. I can see him in, like, a... I can see him in other other roles, but I don't see him in, like, a dirt town in Oklahoma. He wouldn't be a social. He wouldn't Oklahoma. be a social. That's true. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be a social. Yeah. So, Noah, I could see there, but I think he's too young. He's too young. Let's... Yeah. So, that... That's it in terms of, like, actors. Mm-hmm. Do either of you have any more roles? I cast Steve. Which woman is Steve? That's Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise. Oh. Oh. I was like, I don't want to do it. It's just the only reason we remember Steve is because he's Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's where I put Miles Brown because the only thing that stuck with me was the acrobatics and the kid's a dancer. That was it. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah let's do that. And he is he will be 18 in December, so he's perfect. the correct age. He's and perfect. I went through the cliff notes and looked at all the people's ages in the books, and Steve is 17. So. Okay. Okay, so then that's so then we need to go back and talk about Pony Boy because we never settled on Pony Boy. Oh, oh yeah. My <laughs> my choice had been Isaiah Russell Bailey. What had your two choices been? Jackson Robert Scott, Ian Armitage, aka Young Sheldon. That's right. I vote Diane. So, yeah, anyway. I also had Jackson Robert Scott on my list. That's why I'm saying that. All right. If that's the one you two want, then that's what we'll do. I think he's good. He played Georgie really in It. I mean, yeah, it's that was like that's but not even that Lock and Key. He's great in. I went to his website and went into a deep dive on his website. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, those Lock and Key, the last kid that came off of Lock and Key was Amelia Jones. And yeah. Everyone, and look at Coda. So, I mean, right. like, those kids can act. Yeah. I don't Actually, I don't know the middle one, but I guess the other two, I don't know. Uh, okay. I, All right. Then that's our cast. Uh, time to start talking about writer and director. I have separate writer and director. Do I either do of you have a hype in it? No. No. Okay. You're excited. Tell us about your yeah, writer. Okay, I had a lot of fun with the writer because I had to. Th- I had to think of like the one thing I think about when I think about the outsiders is the poetry of the, of the story and how beautiful it looks and how beautiful it reads sometimes. Okay, so I thought Amanda Gorman. Okay, oh, what else wow. has she done? Yeah, what an idea. Yeah, wow, interesting. I am unfamiliar with she's her. She's a po- well. The she's thing, a poet. That's the thing. I'm like, she's not a. She's not a screenwriter. She's not a screenwriter yeah, per yeah. se. But you want to you want to say if you give her the structure, she can't write a screenplay. I'm sure she can write about, anything about kids. I'm sure she can write anything about kids today. Yeah, and about problems with youth and about updating a story from the 50s. About updating not necessarily updating a story from the 50s, but making a story about the 50s resonate today with today's youth. Yeah, and I don't think that because she's an L.A. native means she couldn't write about Oklahoma. I absolutely think she could write about Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I guess I'm saying I Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like thought about her. I was like, I thought about it for a couple of days, and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, good. Then, all right, good. Sam, you're next. Oh, okay. I mean, I love that idea. My idea was somewhat different. I was going off of the idea of that it's a book about dealing with masculinity and, mm-hmm. and how that changes. Um, and my idea was Tom, Thomas Page McBee, who is a writer uh, most recently from the Umbrella Academies and has done the uh, the new L Word and Tales of the City, and also as a writer on masculinity as a transgender man, was the first amateur, or I think the first transgender boxer to box at Madison Square Garden. Has all these like incredible essays that he has written. Uh, I, I thought that that would just be an interesting version of a definition of masculinity. Somebody who's that's written cool. about that. That's really cool. That, yeah, that's interesting. I So when I was dealing with my writer and my director, what I was looking for was someone who's worked with children, like written stuff for children, but more importantly, written poor people. Because there are a lot of things that we talk about, like writing for children, and it's like clearly children in like a cul-de-sac or like country club kids or what was that one with the kids from a few years ago where it was like like the, it was supposed to be the three kids and one of them had hordes and it was like the boys or good whatever. boys good yeah. boys and like stuff like that is usually just like somewhat more affluent kids and so I was trying very hard to find people who've written and are conscious of lower class lower income people so I did that for both 
my writer and my director. My writer, for example, I don't know if either of you are going to know his name, but he wrote on Resident Alien, which takes place in a rural town. He also worked on The G Word with Adam Conover, which is about, you know, societal issues. Um, He wrote something called How to Be Broke. And of course, uh, Ninja Sex Party in the Mythic Crystal, which I put because it's a funny name. Uh, This writer's name is Biniam Bizuna. Not familiar, but interesting credits. You know what would be interesting? If we paired our two. That's what I really wanted to do. Because Amanda Gorman would have the voice, and your guy would have the structure, and put them together. Because The Outsiders was written with two people. I'm sorry, Biniam also was a writer on Dave. Okay. Oh, interesting. What what credit or what level on Resident Alien, if you don't mind me asking, if we can find them? If they don't have a... He's a story editor. Okay. Interesting. In terms of episodes, he did 11 of the episodes. Got it. Oh, it sounds like he's credited on one season. That's what that probably... Yeah. I, I, yeah. Trust me. I can I can I decipher IMDb. Yeah. I don't want it, I don't. I think it would be cool if we mixed Sam and my, Sam and my two, writer, our two writers together. Sure. If that's what I'm like. in favor of that. Yeah. Well, of course you two are in favor of well, that. Well, no, 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 no. It's not about winning no, no, no. on this one. It's no. just about voices. I, that's Yeah. I, it's... My concern, my genuine concern is someone who is, is a bit of, uh, like, a lower level writer. I don't know if they've... I'm just trying that's to fine. think of it that way. So. Then before we settle on it, let's talk about director. Okay. okay. Sam, who do you have for your director? I have Taika Waititi, who I think is probably way too big, but... Yeah, and Taika Waititi I now use as this joke of like, oh, you want a director? Is it Taika Waititi? Are your writers Lord Miller? Cool. Okay. So I apologize, but that is the most common suggestion for director. Well, my my feeling was more that I had a bunch of the Reservoir Dogs kids in my cast. So um, I thought that he, again, just familiarity, like I'm trying to think, I was thinking of, you know, I'm trying to, I, I don't know if Coppola had worked with any of those actors before yeah, that makes sense. my thought my feeling was if you have young actors you want someone who's familiar with them absolutely i completely agree with that so that's where it came from. yeah that makes total sense diane dan trachtenberg who's what is dan trachtenberg pray he did the portal the short the portal short a couple of years ago he did 10 cloverfield lane yeah i think he's got a really cool visual style i thought prey was amazing just focusing on this one woman and sort of her fight against a predator yeah i know it's kind of action but there is action is. in the outsiders there is. and i think he's got a good voice with people I think that's totally fair. Yeah, so that's why I picked him. My director, I cast because he's worked with kids. He's worked with specifically kids who grow up in lower-income neighborhoods. And he created a show called uh, Reservation Dogs, which I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but uh, this guy's name is Sterling Harjo. Yeah. Yes, I realize I've been saying Reservoir Dogs when I keep meaning to say, say reservation, reservation Dogs. dogs. And I, keep, I should just say Res Dogs. Because res Dogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go with that. Go so, with that. Because, like, Reservation Dogs, I think is honestly very similar in um, scope. I think yeah. if we're looking for a director to really, like, capture... Th- like, obviously reinterpreting, like, Reservation Dogs is that story. But if we're looking for someone who's able to, like, kind of talk, speak to that kind of story and deal with it, one that he did not write. I specifically right. did not want him to be the writer. Right. Then, if we go with your two writers, I would say we should get, have Sterling Harjo as the director. I think that's a great sure. idea. I think that's a great idea. Also, doesn't Res Dogs take place in Oklahoma on a reservation? Yes, it takes, yes. Yeah. I didn't know that, but that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. I think I think you're great on that. Great. Tell me, the, tell me their names again, please. Um, mine is Amanda Gorman. And mine is Thomas Page, like P-A-G, McBee, M-C-B-E. Great. Love it. Is there anything I'm missing? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, I think the one thing we could have looked at is cinematography, but I think if we basically decide we don't necessarily want everything to look like a postcard, yeah, that's then enough. I think we get we choose a director who's got a strong visual style, which I think Sterling does. Yeah. So I think we're good. Cool. All right, great. Then let me take you through our outsiders, still outside and all these years later, 30 years later. 
40, 39. 39. 39. 40 years later. Oh, shit. <laughs> Pony Boy Curtis will be Jackson Robert Scott. Johnny Cade will be Ian Chen. Dallas Winston will be Jack Dylan Grazer. Daryl Curtis will be Ashton Saunders. Soda Pop Curtis will be Zolo Maraduena. Two-Bit will be Eris Baker. Bob will be Gatton Mata, uh, Matazo. Steve will be Miles Brown. Sherry will be Daphne Keene. Her friend Martha uh, will be Peyton Elizabeth Lee. Randy will be Caleb McLaughlin. And uh, all of this will be written by a team of Amanda Gorman and Thomas Page McBee, and then directed by Sterling Harjo. That's Outsiders. You two going to go see this movie? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah. I actually probably would. I actually probably would. With those writers, that I, director, and those actors, I absolutely would go see it. I will watch anything that Amanda Gorman touches. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So that's, that works. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Thank you both for making me watch this movie that I've owned for many, many years. <laughs> it's about time. Better late than never. Hey, yeah, at basically. least it wasn't the whole novel. Yes. That's true. At least it was the shortened version. That's yeah. also true. It still felt very long. The important thing is... Thank you both very much. Thank it was super you. fun. This it was, was super fun. Uh, so now's the time for plugs and suggestions. So does anyone have anything they want to plug in social medias they want to talk about? I don't really have anything on social media, but I will say that in the cool thing, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, is you and I are going to a film fest with a screenplay we wrote together. Cool. By the time this on episode comes out, we'll be back from that. And we'll absolutely know whether or not we won. That's true. And here's hoping we did. Darn straight. Yeah. If you want to find out more about Pirates vs. Ninjas, you can follow me at Sam Gash on Twitter or follow Diane at Dibster on Twitter. So yeah. Yeah. Sam. Uh, not anything at the moment to plug, um, but I did recently, and I'm in the process of building a company called 93 Cedar. Um, I am actively trying to stay away from social media, which goes into the antithesis of building a company. But that's been, it's going to be a lot of storytelling development and working with writers to develop ideas and make projects closer to makeable. Great. Awesome. So go 93 Cedar. Uh, Great. If you're interested in finding more about the podcast, you can follow it on Instagram or Twitter at Ideal Remake or join us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast or look in the show notes and join me on Discord, the Dueling Genre Discord, where you can tell Sam, Diane, and I what we did right and what we did wrong. And we'd love to hear your opinions on The Outsiders. Oh, yeah. And I said I said I'm at Sam Gash on Twitter, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. And... As always, I try to promote one of the other shows on the Dueling Genre Network, and this time I'm going to promote Geek by Night, which is the original scripted narrative podcast about a group of friends who suddenly and mysteriously get superpowers as they struggle to deal with the transitioning from their 20s to their 30s. It's a show about fandom, friendship, and growing up with all the comedy and drama that happens in the process. They promise they're going to be back for the final season very soon. I know they're working on it. They're constantly telling me they're writing on it, and it should be out very soon, but if you want to get caught up, now's the time. So, Sam... Diane, I end this podcast the same way I end all episodes of my podcast. What is your favorite quote from the movie The Outsiders? If you smoke more than a pack today, I'll skin you. Because we shouldn't be smoking anyway. I'm super lame. I'm, I can't help it. Stay gold, pony boy, is, is classic to me. I can't not. We just got to find a dying child in order to say it and it'll be perfect. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be about that. That's the beauty of the thing. It could be about a sunrise. Yeah. It, it could be. It could just be about a sunrise. It doesn't I mean, have to be about a dying it's not child. About, it's, not a be about, about, it's not about who says it, but that is who says it. But also the context in which he said it. And think about it. This kid has gone through all of this. His life is ending much more prematurely than he wanted. And here he is 
giving his friend the best advice, as weird and bad and misgiven as it may be, he's trying his best. It's true. Stay gold, pony boy listeners. Stay gold. <laughs>